Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. So second half of the show, this is really going to be fascinating. This is, I'm going to be joined by filmmaker Jen Senko. We're talking about her film, The Brainwashing of My Dad. And I have up on my blog all the info and some links about it. Get the funk out show .org. Very, very interesting film. I'll give you a little synopsis. Right-wing cable news and conservative talk radio attract older Americans like Graying Moss to an angry flame. But why would someone who was either apolitical or a Democrat in younger days become addicted to conservative talk shows in their twilight years? Filmmaker Jen Senko wondered how her World War II veteran and Kennedy Democrat father had been transformed into a Fox News fanatic. Suddenly and inexplicably, okay, I'm slaughtering that word, aren't I? I just skip over that one. Basically, I'm going to bring Jen on. This, This is so, so fascinating, this film. I really enjoyed it. Hold on. Good morning, Jen. I was just, uh, Slaughtering the description of the film, so I decided to bring you on. <laughs> it's that loss. Hi, how are you? Good. It's that loss of one hour of sleep. It just ruins me. Oh no! <laughs> I'm so sorry. You only had one hour of sleep. No, no. It's that one hour. The um, the daylight. Oh, the sun. clock moving forward. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Anyway. It, it, it's almost like jet lag. It is. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I want to thank you so much for calling in. Uh, as I mentioned off air it really is watching a history lesson it's so fascinating what you did oh thank you very much yeah i wanted to um mix a history lesson um and there was a story i wanted to tell and then of course mix it you know with the personal aspect of the story about what happened to my dad let me. I'm going to back up a second now sure. at what point did you decide you were going to make this film i mean did you what what happened with your dad? Were you noticing things and thinking, wow, what is going on with him? Yes. Um, really, I wanted to make this film probably um, like 15 years ago, but I knew it would be exhaustive and I knew it would be huge, um, a huge undertaking. Yes. Um, but um, I, I was sort of desperate. Um, my, my dad had been like a Kennedy Democrat who was really open to so many people and so many thoughts and just loved everybody. Uh, he was n- non-judgmental. And then mm-hmm. when we had a move um, and he had a long commute to work, it was suddenly a solo commute, he started listening to um, talk radio, and it was Bob Grant at the time. Okay. And um, Bob Grant was the famous um, bombastic uh, radio host who was, you know, very openly racist and sexist and mm-hmm. homophobic, what have you. Okay. Um, so my dad started changing, um, and um, I, I felt like I saw the writing on the wall, like, oh, no, how far is he going to go? And then finally, when he um, um, retired, and um, then he started listening to Rush Limbaugh, and then he discovered email, it just, um, it became unbearable uh, to my family. Um, Awful. Awful. Yeah. In watching the film, I I love the clips of your mom talking about how he was sending email, you know, and you were all... Like, what is he sending? 
Yeah, that that um, that's really when it became very um, obvious, and uh, um, as my younger brother would say, annoying to mm-hmm. us. <laughs> sure. Because um, he once he started listening to Rush Limbaugh, um, he was sort of he became like uh, a member of every far right group, uh, internet group there was, and started. Um, uh, you know, giving money to whatever the cause was, from the Heritage Foundation, um, you know, to the NRA, when he never even, oh. he never was a hunter or, you know, he didn't even have a gun in World War II. He was a medic. Oh. Um, so, um, yeah, the emails, uh, he just, they were all of, uh, some of them were so obviously false. Right. And um, they were really nasty, and and the family just got really sick of it, and um, it, it was disturbing because there was no personal, right. there was never any personal emails anymore. Sure. Um, you know, it was all about it was he was like evangelical about it almost. Yes. You know, like yes. uh, it just you know trying to convert us, and um, but it was n- nasty. And, um, yeah, my mother got very upset about that. And, uh, we, I mean, after a while, we all um, blocked him, like me and my brothers and probably some of the relatives and friends. Yeah, because you start alienating alienating yourself when you start doing that. Yeah, 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 it was really sad. It was really upsetting. Um, but he wouldn't stop, you know, even though we would beg him, please, please don't send these emails. Um, but it was like he was like a different person. We didn't even know who this man was anymore, you know, and he became angry and judgmental towards all these, you know, minorities, women, mm-hmm. you know, um, gays, whatever. Um, so he just, he wasn't the person that we knew sure. anymore. Yeah, it sounded and it was like, upsetting. It sounded like it got worse. I mean, it's not like your dad would have had a conversation with Gloria Steinem, you know? <laughs> no, no, yeah. he would have had um, some impression of her right away and yeah. would have been judgmental. Right. Whereas when I was growing up, he was sort of open to everybody. I mean, I don't remember him ever saying anything racist or... Um, um, in derogatory towards any group sure. or any person, you know, they they were very open, open and open-minded, you know, and loving. So interesting. So it's it seemed that his all of a sudden his uh, love and interest in talk radio started just kind of brainwashing him. Yeah, I mean, I um, I hesitated to use that 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 term, brainwashing, because yeah. I thought, wow, this is really. Um, Daring, um, but uh, you know that's why the title is like the brainwashing of my dad to give it a little bit of lightheartedness too. Sure, At first, sure. it was tongue in cheek, but yes. the more research I did, um, and it wasn't until uh, the end of the film that I believed that he he did become brainwashed, brainwashed in some yeah. sense. Tell me what it was like making this film. Did it become like a domino effect of information? Well, I had. Um, I had a documentary club, uh, I, I'd say when Kerry and Bush 
um, when Kerry lost to, to Bush um, in that election, I, I, I felt it was due to the media back then. Mm-hmm. So I started this, um, like, media watch alert club okay. <laughs> called uh, PRISM, People's Response to Inefficient Subservient Media. And it was just me and, you know, a bunch of people in my neighborhood and friends. And um, we would watch media and then start writing to them. But, um, you know, if if we saw something that was really biased, and we felt so much was biased in that day. Um, but what happened is, uh, after a time, I guess we just got lazy, and then we started watching documentaries. So... I, you know, always this in the back of my mind, like, how how does this happen? That um, that's what I kept building, building on. Um, so it was that kind of a thing. It's such a fascinating film because, you know, there, there are people's names I've heard before, but I didn't quite know about them. And, I mean, for instance, is it Roger Ailes? Is that how you pronounce his last name? Yes. Mm-hmm. Could you talk about that with... Um, you know, his relationship with Nixon, because I thought that was really fascinating. Oh, it was. I mean, he was um, a a genius when it came to television. You know, he was a television producer. Mm -hmm. And um, he um, met Nixon, and uh, Nixon had, uh, you know, run against Kennedy, and he was all sweaty and nervous and just did really poorly. So mm-hmm. Roger Ailes kind of took him aside and said, look, you know, um, you got to do better. And Nixon said, you know, on oh, television, it doesn't matter. But he, you know, kind of trained Nixon, like, to be more succinct, have, um, yes. you know, sound bites, um, um you know, to appeal to the people, to try to appeal to the people and not come across like, you know, a rich snob, if yes. you will. Yes, sure. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, it, he uh, created a monster. <laughs> it certainly did. I, it, was, it was interesting to see how, you know, Nixon kind of had the shifty eyes and then Ailes kind of trained him to, you know, the little sound bites and the things people would remember and his whole demeanor changed. Yeah, and makeup, too, and oh, make yeah. sure that, you know, that, that he had, you know, good makeup on before he went on, you know, and no sweaty upper lip. Right, right. Now, um, the people that you interviewed, I mean, was really interesting. Was it hard to get them to talk about this, or was it pretty easy? Um, no, I think um, most of the people that I interviewed were extremely eager to talk about it okay. and seemed relieved that... Um, Somebody was asking them about it. Um, I think that, you know, there were a few people that were on the same page as me that were baffled and frustrated why the media wasn't seeming to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. And so um, they, it was almost like, uh, you know, they just started pouring their, their hearts out in a way, you know, like, oh, yes, sure. you know, they, they were very eager to talk about it. It was I so, felt. yeah, I mean, uh, Noam Chomsky and all these great people you interviewed, there must have been so much in- information to have to whittle down. Um, it was, and um, um, we had um, all of the interviews transcribed, okay. and that was the 
easiest way to look at them. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to, like, keep track of it. And so I would just read through them and think about, I had an outline in the beginning, and I thought about all of the thoughts that, um, um, you know, points that I wanted to make in the movie that were in the outline, and I would just... uh, um, what I called yellowized, but it was mm-hmm. uh, that, that's not the right word. Uh, yeah, know. Um, you know the the different sections, and then uh, give them to my editor, and then you know she would see what I was highlighting, and that's that's how we that's kind of how we had to uh, to do it. It was it was a lot of information, right. so we just tried to have the points defined ahead of time that we needed. Yes, you know, but I can imagine through doing this, because this is like doing a, you know, qualitative research study, like new things mm-hmm. probably came up, and you probably, yes. you know, probably explored those as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think um, I, I had seen Sue Wilson's film called Broadcast Blues, mm-hmm. and that's where I learned about the Telecommunications Act. And I was like, holy moly, this is really big. Like how did I how did I miss this this was not in here and you know so yeah that was one of the things we had to make room for um, it was all very illuminating it I was bet. really wonderful I feel like I was just so blessed to have the people be able to get the people that um, I I got to interview it just was really sort of miraculous like I I don't even know how I got some of them. <laughs> it, was it probably like a domino effect of, you know, yes. this person and that person, and, oh, well, you're on that? I'll, I'll want to talk about that, too. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, like um, my friend Eileen Sutton, who used to work with Noam Chomsky on WBAI, mm-hmm. said, oh, you should interview Noam. And I'm like, what? Interview Noam? <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yeah. And she yeah. said, I don't know if he will, you know, because he doesn't do documentaries anymore. He doesn't do film, you know, but he liked the subject, you know. It was a subject he had talked about a lot. Yes. So I got him, and then, you know, once, um, and then, yeah, it was a domino effect. Another person said, well, you have to interview Jeff Cohen. And then Jeff Cohen, right? once we got him, he was just like a huge pal. You know, he great. reached out to people and said, look, this is you know, this, this is a documentary that's looking at all of this stuff that we've been interested in. So, sure. Well, you really struck a chord with so many people. Yeah. You know. uh, oh, you mean um, people that I, like, are you talking about the experts or the people who experienced the same thing? Both. I, you know, I wanted to yeah. touch on that as well, is that how did you mm-hmm. find the people that had parents like your dad? Oh, that was so interesting. Well, um <clears throat> We did a Kickstarter campaign, and we had uh, over 947 Kickstarter backers. And um, they just started coming out of the woodwork saying, you know, oh, that happened to me. Oh, I'm currently, uh, my mother doesn't speak to me me anymore. Um, you know, I became like the Ann Landers of, like, what happened to my, my dad or my mom or my uncle or my brother or my sister, you know. Right. And... Um, then I just got the idea, like, you know, this is a phenomenon. Yes. This is important. And I have to show that this isn't just me. That was one of the things that I learned in the film. Like, I thought I was alone. They all thought they were alone. Mm-hmm. And then when they found out they weren't alone, it was like opening a dam. Yes. I mean, 
you know, people just poured their hearts out to me. I wish I could have included all of their stories, but um, there just wasn't enough time. Let me, uh, I didn't touch on this, Jen. By the Mm -hmm. way, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Jen Sanko. And um, what is your background? I mean, have you made other films? Were you aspiring to make a film? Tell me about your background. I was um, an artist. I went to Pratt. Um, I started out painting, Mm -hmm. and I was really surprised when the second painting I did at at college, the school offered to buy, and I thought, oh, I guess I'm a little talented. Yes, slightly. (laughs) So I I said, well, let let me just, let me see what I can do, and I went to Pratt, and um, then I got into uh, graphics. Um, I sort of stopped painting, but um, I think it was my late 30s that I thought, you know, I need to, I need to understand how I can be more independent, why I am mm-hmm. the way I am. So I started this documentary, Roadmap Warrior Women, and I didn't really have any training in film at all, but that was kind of the best way for me to learn because I learned on, on, my, on my own without pressure, sure. you know, and... So I made that film, uh, Roadmap Warrior Women, which was about really independent women out west, and therefore I sort of learned, you know, how to be more independent, if I you will. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, um, um, that took about ten years because I was working full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one day, um, my friend Fury DeRosa was tiling my bathroom floor, and he said, I need to talk to you about something. I said, what? And he said, well, um, you know, he had been in film, he'd been an actor, he'd done films himself. Everybody in New York always has, like, two careers, you know, the one they really love and then the one they have to have to make money. So he was a great floor tiler, so he Mm -hmm. said, I want to make a movie about New York um, and the luxurification that's going on here and how everybody's being priced out, you know, and they're just building for multi-multi millionaires and billionaires. So I said, well, uh, okay. Mm -hmm. And then after we made that movie, then I had the confidence to to make this one. And I also ended up producing a lot of other little short films, um, you know, for friends, and then just word got out, like, oh, ask Sanko, she'll produce your your movie. Oh, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was great. It all happened as I kept getting older. Well, so Um, we kind of reinvent ourselves, or we explore, you know, I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, It's like I never thought that I'd be this, fulfilled or happy at this point in my life but it's It's like one of the best points of my life i feel like i did what i was supposed to do yes yeah Yeah. you know the theme of my show is get the funk out and we go through these twists and turns and ups and downs do you have advice for people that you know maybe it's a creative funk or whatever kind of funk but how you how you deal with that yes yes i do have advice be patient Mm. Be patient and keep doing what you love. Keep doing it. You don't have to, you know, kill yourself over it. Just have patience. You don't have to be famous before you're 30. (laughs) Just if you have to have two careers and sacrifice a little bit here and there, you know, you can't have everything, you know, you can't have all the luxury and everything and do, do this. But if you really have something that you love, just stick with it, um, you know, make some sacrifices that you need to make, and be patient. Yeah, that's great advice. I don't think very many people have said that before. I like that. 
Yeah, well, that's what I learned. I love it. Well, I guess that comes with age, right? As we get older, we learn we've got to be patient with ourselves and with our careers and everything else. You have to have something. <laughs> right. <laughs> just be age to make up Exactly. That. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't touch on the fact that this film is narrated by you as well as Matthew Modine, and he produced it uh, as well as with Adam, is it Rakoff? Rakoff, yeah. How, mm-hmm. did, um, how did you connect with Matthew and Adam? Um, I connected with Matthew because I, I knew Bill Plimpton from, Plimpton from the times that I um, went to Pratt, and... Um, I mean, he didn't go to Pratt, but that's around the time that I met him. Mm-hmm. And Adam Rakoff was helping Bill with his um, his Kickstarter campaign. And um, Alexia Anastasia yes. said, oh, you should ask Adam to help you with your Kickstarter. And, and um, So anyway, Bill, through Adam and Bill and Adam, saw, and then yes. Adam and uh, Matthew are uh, business partners, and Matthew saw the film, and he's um, an activist and, you know, into uh, making films himself. He's mm-hmm. really a genius, and um, he said, this is something I want to be involved in. So That's I was, great. you know, it just was one of those things, those lucky things that just kept happening. And I understand, I put this in my blog, by the way, that um, you've been a part of several film festivals, and you've gotten awards. That's great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, um, the film The Vanishing City that we were in a festival for won um, Harlem. It won uh, the Harlem Film Festival. Ah, it won the short, best short documentary. And then for the, um, the, I think it was the Williamsburg, or was it the Brooklyn Film Festival? I don't remember now, but it won best uh, feature documentary. That so that was kind of funny. But, yeah, I'm very happy about the festival wins we did have, you know, it makes you more confident, and sure. it gives you the impetus to move forward with what you want to do. Have you had a lot of people coming up to you and saying, well, this happened to me, too? I mean, has this been incredible experience for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially at film festivals. Um, you know, you have people that come up to you, and they're just so thankful. Right. Um, and they just thank you for making it. You know, they relate to the, the personal part, and sure. they, but they, they see, like, oh, there was a reason for this and, and why this is happening, and, you know, they see there's hope. And, um, yeah, so um, it's, it's really touching when people come up to you and, and talk to you about their, you know, what's happening in their family, and you just, you know, you just feel for them because you know, how it kind of almost destroyed your own family. Of course. And you never expected this to people to be coming up to you telling their own story. No, I didn't. I didn't expect that. Yeah. Tell me where people can find out more about this film and see it. Um, Well, we have a a website, uh, www.thebrainwashingofmydad.com, and um, we put our screenings... um, on the website, mm-hmm. and then also they can sign up for updates um, where they would be the first, among the first to find out, like, where the film is screening um, and when. Um, and then um, it's going to be on uh, VOD um, March 18th, and it's also going, it's doing its theatrical premiere uh, March 18th. Um, 
So, but yeah, if they sign up for updates, then then they'll be in the know and find out when it's on DVD and you know in the area that they're in. People also are, are writing us and telling us, "Oh, can you try and bring it to this theater? Oh, you good. know, in in my uh, my county or wherever I live." And then we'll reach out to that theater and um, you know uh, see if they are interested in screening it there. Now, it opened theatrically in New York, or is that happening? Oh, no. Um, it, it had its film festival premiere mm-hmm. um, in San Jose, and now it's having its theatrical premiere um, this March 18th in New York and L.A. Oh, and the same day, March 18th. Yeah, okay, and it'll good. run for a week. Great. Yes, I yeah. put that on the blog as well. It's going to be at the Cinema Village in New York. And right. also... Um, at the, the Lemley Theater in, in LA. LA. Oh, good on the 18th. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, the 710 show is already sold out, but um, oh. we're going to try and pop in as many shows as we can um, in New York because um, that's where I live. But I'm also going to appear at the LA one. I'm I'm going to actually do, you know attend the Q and A um, uh, Friday night in New York, and then. Um, Hop okay. on over to L.A. the next day and oh, then good. come back to New York. Yeah. Well, I like I said, it is a very educational film as well for a variety of generations because it has footage of all the different presidents and different key <laughs> people that, you know, people might not know much about. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, doing the research also helped. Refresh my mind with with the history, and you know a lot of stuff I learned. Like I, I talking to Claire Connor, who was great. You know, who wrote "Wrapped in the Flag" about the Birch Society. I didn't know that much about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it was a we we kid back then, right? Of course. Well, I want to thank you so much for calling in. I thought this was a really fascinating film, and congratulations on all the accolades. Oh, thank you so much. I I really appreciate it. And it was really nice being on your show, Janine. Thank you, thank you. And uh, one of these days when I get to New York, maybe I'll give you a heads up and we'll meet face to face. We'll we'll have a beverage. That would be great. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, Jen. Thank you. Okay, nice talking to you. You too. Bye bye. That was Jen Sanko calling in, talking about her film, The Brainwashing of My Dad. It's really fascinating. Uh, there is info up on my blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. So that's a wrap for me. I'm Janine. You're listening to Get the Funk Out. Up next, Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. Have a great one, and I'll be back next week. <laughs>